Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today we are joined by a very special guest, everyone's favorite uncle, Uncle Maishi, Reb Maish Tenenbaum. Thank you, Uncle Maishi, for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's Thanks. a great treat to have you here at Art Scroll Studios. Thank you. In honor of the release of your new book and your new CD. That's right. The feedback is phenomenal. Good, Baruch Hashem. The CD sounds amazing. The book looks incredible. Before we get into your background, what has the feedback been like to this production, oh. I'll call it? Well, it, it's, first of all, let me thank you for having me on. It's a, an honor to be here. And um, this book is the first one for me. And it's, a, it's really a, just a wonderful story of me visiting this family and these two children, Mindy and Miri, and our adventures that we have on Shabbos. And uh, I believe my understanding is the first time the art school actually produced a book such like this, where they actually took a, a real person and somehow made it into a lovely, lovely illustration from it. It is interesting because, like you said, it's the first time that I know of that in the world of Jewish publishing, we did something like this, where rather than just illustrating, we actually took real photos, real photo shoot, and I was zeichet to participate with you, it was such an honor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's real photos taken by a professional photographer, Rifki Rabi, and then our fantastic staff here at Art Scroll, led by Ellie Crone, re-rendered them so that it has more of a painting type of feel. But with an Uncle Maishi, we couldn't illustrate, because no one could illustrate you well enough. <laughs> Only to rebunish Well, yeah. Well. <laughs> so this new approach to producing a children's book, the feedback has kind of confirmed that it was the right approach. And everyone loves the book. And it's great to have you back. The CD, we should mention, was produced by Donny Gross, yeah. mm-hmm. a music aficionado, a master arranger. He did an unbelievable job selecting songs that we think people will appreciate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So talk about that for a moment, the musical side of things. Well, besides being a wonderful producer, as far as a, a, a human being, and um, just listening to my suggestions, and really carefully listening, and um, where perhaps there might have been areas where I suggested one area to go to. And he actually took the time out to sit back and say, well, let's listen to this. What do you, what do you have to say, Moish? You know, it's, it's your CD. Did he call you Moish or Uncle Moish? <laughs> Moish. <laughs> My name is Moish. Okay. <laughs> and um, he just sat back and listened to it. And we discuss certain things, aspects about the lyrics, for example. To me, lyrics are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And also the mix of the album. Uh, and the lyrics on the album were written by Chayla Newhouse and by Perry Bennett. Yes. And I should mention yes. that the book was written by a team of Libby Lezevnik and Perry Bennett and many other people contributed editorial comments. So it was really a collaborative effort. It was. It and was you're saying that lyrics mean a lot to you, meaning it's not just about writing words going into the studio and singing it, it has to connect to you. Oh, sure. Uh, but not only that, a certain hashkafa as well. A and way of looking at things. What is that hashkafa that you look for? Well, it, it's a way of, of looking at things. You know, uh, for example, if, if I'm in a, in a park and I, and I see a can on the floor, well, what do I do now? Do I walk over it? Or do I pick it up and put it in the garbage can? Well, of course, that's what we do. 
we take the garbage, we put it in a garbage can if we have that opportunity. But besides that, we're aware of people might be watching us. And that's one way to make a Kiddush Hashem. That's an example, not only for myself, but for the children, for everyone. That people are watching, what's he going to do now? What's that Yingle going to do, that little boy and girl? Let's see. Wow, look at this. Wow, that's a Kiddush Hashem. And that's easy to do, for so example. As, as someone who's been teaching these concepts for so many years, do you feel a certain responsibility when you're out there in the world? Everyone knows who you are. You're probably one of the most recognized faces in all of what we'll call Jewish educational entertainment. I don't know if there's an entertainer in the Jewish world, at least on American shores, who's more recognized than you are. So when you're out there walking down the street, going to shul in the supermarket, do you feel a certain self-consciousness where, wow, I have to reflect the values that I'm teaching? Well, it's not that I have to. I do. Mm -hmm. It's me. Uncle Moishi and Moishi Tannenbaum, we're the same. It's not a performance. I can't do this for over 45 years in the entertainment field, you know, without perhaps issues coming out or something like that. No. no. I was going to ask you about that. No. It's 45 plus years. I think you started in 1975. 1975, that's correct, yeah. And yet, you don't, you, it doesn't seem like you've lost any of your vim or vigor. You're still energetic. You're still fresh. You still want to teach the kids. And I would say you want to teach the adults also. <laughs> <laughs> We're also learning from you. And your energy is contagious. And you haven't lost a step, Kanai Nahara. May it be for no, many more no. years. Hashem, so I was going to ask you how you do that, but I think you just answered the question. Because it's not an act. This is who you are. Would, would that be a correct depiction? Yeah. Um, th there's something also, if I may add, to, to the recordings and even the book. When I, in my recordings, the lyrics are, you do this, I'm talking to the boys and girls, you have to do this, you keep the mitzvahs of Hashem, you do this. No, you'll find in the lyrics, we keep the mitzvahs of Hashem. I'm with the children. Wow. And to me, that's so very, very important because I hear even speakers, when they speak by the podium, well, you have to do this, and you did this, and you... No, no, we. I'm speaking to the... I'm looking at the speaker. No, 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 we. The speaker also has to do this. You see? Uncle Maishi is with the children. We keep the mitzvahs of Hashem. I'm with the boys and girls. We're doing it together. Wow. And as um, one of the lyrics of the songs is, there's power when we're together, when there's unity. There's tremendous strength and power in that. So who influenced you in your younger years to give you those values that today you're giving over to the younger children? I don't know seriously where I got this. I was always into music. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Toronto, okay. Toronto, Canada. And I went through the day school there, the Eitzheim Day School. And in, in that school, I was in a, the choir, the children's choir. Yeah, we had a choir, one of the first school choirs, I believe, in the Americas, the first school choirs. So I was always singing. And I'm also a musician. I play an instrument. I play guitar. Mm -hmm. so and that's from a young age? From a young age. 
and I've taught myself the guitar, and I would sing the early songs at that time was the Rabbi Sons sure. in those days. The Rabbi Sons, the Orchadarsh in those yeah, days. And that's how I would play those songs and listen to them. And with my friends, we'd have a Kumzitz, Motzei Shabbos, coming together and sing the songs. Um, and then th throughout my younger years, I was able to volunteer for Chabad in Toronto, Chabad Labav, which at that time was run by Rabbi Yehoshua Laufer, who's now in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, he, um, he tapped me in to sing for children that he would gather, public school children. At what age is this? We're talking about my early teens. Okay. Maybe 14, So 15. you're in high school. You're in high school. You know how to play guitar. You sing a bit. And Rabbi yeah. Laffer says, Maish? Or did he call you Maish? Maish, yeah. Because someone told me that you were known by a different oh. name <laughs> that also starts with a mem yes. M. <laughs> Tell me a little about That's that. That's right. <laughs> you did some uh, research, I research. see. <laughs> yes, my, uh, my given name is actually Milton. Milton. That's right. Is it Uncle, Uncle Milton? Ah, Ah. Like Milton Berle? Ah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my, my Rebbe in Eitz Chaim, Rabbi Yaakov Lukowski, Oliver Shalom, um, gave me a nickname, Uncle Milty, named after a comedian in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. His name was Milton Berle, and he was a funny, uh, a funny person, and he always had the gags, and and jokes like this, always the funny person. That's me in my class. I was always the funny guy in that class. And my rabbi said, Uncle Milty, you're Uncle Milty, sitting always mm -hmm. in front of him. <laughs> did you mind that or did you embrace it? I, I, later on I embraced it because uh, sometimes uh, kids would make fun of that, mm -hmm. you know, Uncle Milty type of thing. But eventually it, it did grow on me. And that was my, my moniker. Is that mm -hmm. how we call it? Yeah. So same with playing for public school children. Uncle Milty. Uncle Milty's here playing the guitar. However, uh, the story goes that in 1975, there was a, a Lubavitch of Habrengen, where at that time the Lubavitch Rebbe spoke about one of the three reasons that we left Mitzrayim. And one of them was we kept our Jewish names. And at that time, he was encouraging everyone to let's start to use our Jewish names. 1975, I guess we weren't using so much. So the shaliach in Toronto, Rabbi Laufer, sat me down in his office, says, Milton, Milton, you have a Jewish name. The Lubavitcher just spoke about using our Jewish names. And you do perform in front of children. You should be the example. Use your Jewish name, Moishi. That's your Jewish name. Uncle Moishi. And that was it. That was it. So you've been known as Uncle Moishi since your teens. Yes. However, Even though you were, were you an uncle at that point? <laughs> no. No. However, when I do come back to Toronto, my old friends from those years call me, Uncle Milty's here. Come on, everyone. Uncle Milty's here. My old friends still call me Uncle Milty. Wow. <laughs> and you're playing, did, did you launch a career at that point? Did, was it done in a professional capacity? No, I was no. in yeshiva. In yeshiva. I was in yeshiva what at that happened? time. In your later years, post-Masifta, what was your next step? Well, post-Masifta, I went to, uh, came to New York, uh, Brooklyn, New York, and went to yeshivas here. And, um, <clears throat> but before then, before then, in 1979, we gathered some songs together. 
<clears throat> and um, at that time, I was Uncle Maishi. And uh, I was with two other felt musicians with me. And we decided to put out an album. There were songs of those days that were well known, but it was never really on an album. Um, in those days, we called them records. Mm -hmm. the sure. vinyl. <laughs> and um, songs such as Hashem is Here, Torah Siva. There's another song called Shabbos is Going Away, which at that time, NCSY, a youth uh, group organization that's uh, global. Which one is that? Uh, Shabbos is going away. Right. Yeah. They would sing that. On, and who, uh, who made up Torah Because that's uh, people uh, look that's, at it as a... That's a classic. I, I, that's, that's a classic. is a classic. I know I Hashem know is here was made by another uncle, right? Am yes, right? that's right. Uncle Yossi Goldstein. That's right. We, when I grew up, we had his tapes, uh -huh. Rabbi Yossi Goldstein's story tapes. Uh -huh. And I remember he created that song. Yes. Which people yes. think has been around since my Sebracious. <laughs> Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Classic. It's a what classic a classic song. song. It's a classic so song. So these songs you started, you collected so them. I sang them in front of the children. And uh, we decided to make an album, and at that time, uh, one of us contacted a producer, a well-known producer at that time, called, uh, his name is uh, David Golding. And the, the business, they called him Ding. And one of us contacted him, and he said, sure, I'll make the album. Give me 10 songs, and I'll produce it for you. Wow. And we did it in one evening. Really? We recorded it in one evening. And it came out as Uncle Moishi and the Mitzvah Men. And somehow, the album just took, took off. off. And I know you're going to ask this, <laughs> but I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You make an album, you sing a song, you're in front of, it could be 20 children, it could be 1,000 children. And they're singing along, and they're clapping their hands. And I'm playing my guitar and singing. I, I, I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. You don't get why it's connecting? Right. I don't, I don't. See, I, I'm in it. I'm performing in front of the children. So I'm you, saying, don't, you don't get the magic. I, what I, is I, the magic about? If you want to call it magic, I don't know. I just don't understand it. And... Um, I think you answered the question, though, earlier. I know you're interviewing me, but I really <laughs> would like to ask you, uh, what, what is that? I'll tell you what I think it is. I think it goes back to what you said earlier, that this is not an act. This is who you are. And So if it's real, people like genuineness. If it was an act, it would run out. And children are the best arbiters they could see right through oh, anything. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so when children see something real, they connect to it. If it's not real, eh, I'll do something else. I think that, I think that that's what it comes down to. Hmm. It's real. You mean it. You live it. Like you said before, you don't have to do it. You do it. You carry those messages. You personify those messages. And it's connecting to the children. And I like what you said before also. You're not talking to the children. You're talking with them. Or like they say from Rabbi Yitzchak Shiner, who was just Nifter. Mm. He said that chinuch is not taught, it's caught. If it's contagious, mm -hmm. so the children catch on. And it's, it's an atmosphere. It's not you talking to them. It's a conversation. 
And I think that, that that's been your magic, if I may say so. I don't know. You're asking me. You're interviewing me. <laughs> yes. I'm sure other people could, could add to it, but there's something very special about the tone of flavor. And I'll add one other thing, I think, if I may. Um, there's a certain purity about your message and your music. It's never been adulterated over the years. You've adapted with the times as far as the music. You want it to be up to date, the highest mm -hmm. quality. But your messages never change because they're timeless and they're universal. And that's something also that I'm amazed. Maybe you could talk about that. You have an ability through your messages and through your creativity to touch all different crowds. Hasidish, Litvish, unaffiliated, whatever it is, whatever the group is, as long as some, someone has a Yiddish and a Shama, Uncle Moshe is ready to talk to them. What do you say about that? It, it, it's important to try to reach as many different types of children throughout the world. And Baruch Hashem, I've been literally around the world. And um, they still have the same smiles. <laughs> the Torah is the same wherever we go. It could be the Orient, it could be down South Africa, it could be in Europe or then South America. The Torah is the same. So within the Torah, the messages are the same. And it's universal. Torah tzivalonu. The children don't necessarily have to know the words. They don't have to necessarily know them. However, every song I have has something for the children to do. It could be pointing the finger up, up, down, down, right, left. Or it could be Moshe, Yaakov. They don't necessarily have to even know their words. Who is Moshe? Who is Yaakov? It's not really necessary to know that. However, these children who are unaffiliated, they're singing songs of Torah, and they're singing Moshe, they're singing Yaakov. They're shouting out, Shabbos! 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 Wow! They're shouting out the words from their mouth. They don't know what it is, but they're shouting out, and they're having fun with um, clearly an Orthodox Jew on stage right. with a beard and a, <laughs> and a hat like this. But we're having fun, and that's so important to me. Right. Right. Have fun. It could be the lowest, it could be a very low denominator, right. which is fine because that's the age that I'm. You're teaching the Yiddish guy to be engaging and fun and compelling. And some of them, especially unaffiliated, might associate Yiddishkeit and Judaism with something archaic. And you're showing them, no, this is, this is happiness. This is true happiness. I, I remember several times a Rebbe would come to me, a teacher in a yeshiva would come to me, Moish, it's unbelievable. I, it's so amazing what you do for the children. Come and teach my class. Please, come to... I said, Rebbe, Rebbe, I'm here with the children for maybe an hour. And I'm going to the next city. You're with the children all day, every day of the week. This is where you take over. Mm -hmm. I could perhaps maybe inspire them or try to enliven them. But Rebbe, you, you get the pat on your shoulder. Because you're with them in class, teaching them day in and day out of Torah and our mit in the mitzvahs of Hashem. You're the one to be praised. Any particular story that comes to mind, having been out of town all over, and all over the world, any particular inspiring story of someone whose neshama you touched? I, I, I do get letters from people. Mm. Again, you make a song and you, you sing a song on an album and it goes out around the world. I don't know who it touches. I don't know. You're singing there. 
And there has been stories that have been written to me. I remember one particular story. I was in down south in somewhere in Tennessee where I just did a, a concert. And um, <clears throat> before my flight, I was having some supper with a family. And, and the rabbi uh, who was hosting my meal told me that there was one song that I sang in particular that really struck our community. And that was a song called Don't Walk in Front of Me. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. It Composed really by Rabbi Bold, I believe, right? Yes. I think so. Rabbi Zev Bold. Thinks. Classic. Another classic, classic song. song. That you made famous. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we all made it famous. And it really struck our community because there was a, a young child who just passed away recently. And on her matseva are the words to this song. Don't walk in front of me. Wow. Don't just walk beside me and be my friend. That, that, that's, wow, you know? Yeah. That, Very that, powerful. It, it, it is powerful. And again, I don't know. You make a, you, you do an interview with people, goes around the world, your interviews, and st struck a chord with someone. You don't know that. Right, right. It's true. <laughs> you know? It's true. When you put the written word out there, and when you put music out there, it's now out there in the stratosphere. And like you're saying, you don't know really who you're how many people you're touching. That's why it's, it's very important that whatever we write, whatever I record or we record, we have to be very careful because it's going out to the public. It's going out there and you can't erase it. Right, a big achrayas. You make a recording or you write a, a lovely book like the, uh, the Uncle Moishi uh, <laughs> book here, right here, the, the very best Shabbos guest, <laughs> produced by Art Scroll. Thank you. <laughs> um, we don't know where it's going, whose home it's going into. And they're reading it to their children. And the lessons that's taught from that is so important and in a correct way, in a fun way as well. Sure. Now, speaking of audiences, you're performing in front of people. What makes a good audience? Because I'm <laughs> sure you've had better ones and maybe not, not, as, not as good as others. Challenging ones. Challenging <laughs> ones. What makes a good audience for Uncle Moshe? Well, well certainly that, that child who might be, um, <clears throat> who have gone to scene shows, who, who have the, um, who knows the, the appropriate way to clap their hands after a song. Clap so they're hands. participating. They participate. They're aware of that, of, of participation, and they follow instructions. I remember I was in, um, in, in one city in Europe, where they were very proper, sitting cross-legged in front of me. I was in a school with the nice caps and uniforms. And I sang the first song, and it was silence. And I actually gave them permission to clap our hands. Mm -hmm. Boys and girls, it's okay. Let's clap our hands. Come, everyone, let's clap our hands. Clap our hands. I can't hear you. I actually had to awaken them up. Uh -huh. And say it's you could. They didn't know that it was appropriate to do so, and to be a child, uh -huh. to be a child, because I know children innately they want to, they want to be enlivened, they want to jump up, they want to clap their hands, they want to shout out, as children do, and let's give them this Torah environment to do that. Now, in in preparing for your shows, do you do anything 
specific? Do you have any regimen that you follow before you get up on stage? Well, certainly I, I vocalize. You do? <laughs> yeah, yes. Have, yes. Have, uh, tell, tell us well, about I vocalize. That. I've been going to a, a wonderful <laughs> vocal uh, coach, uh, a mentor uh, of, of mine, um, Cantor Hirsch Einhorn. Really? And many, many well-known performers. Yeah, I know that Abram Fried went for many years. Yes, he still, yeah. still might. Uh, I just sure. actually bumped into him a few weeks ago. <laughs> he went to a, a tune-up. And um, certainly through the years, he's helped me a lot with my voice. Um, it's very interesting because in my younger years, when a person goes to a vocal coach, he's learned how to raise his voice, the register, as much as he can. Right. However, in my age, I'm at the level where I need to preserve my voice. Hmm. And that's a different way of teaching. And he has that, that knowledge to teach each student that comes to him, me, whoever it might be, and their own level to teach them and to direct them to a certain way to preserve or to raise their level of singing. Have you ever had an incident where you wake up one morning, you have a show that night, you have a show the next night, and your voice is just not there, and you call Cantor Einhorn <laughs> and you say, Chazen, I need help. Oh, of course. Of, of course. And what, what does he tell you to do? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you do the best you can. You do the best you can. You know, a if tea, you have to cough. A tea and you know, some rest. <laughs> certainly rest some is important. Exercises. I, I, of course. I remember one time <laughs> I told my um, voice teacher that, I have a cold, I can't come to you today, I don't feel it. He says, Moish, now's the time to come see me. Yeah. Now's the time when you have a cold or you have a cough. Now we can deal with it. How does a singer deal with that? Wow. I want to see you. Come in, please. Wow. And he taught me things how to do when a singer has, again, we're human, right. and we're dealing with a, an instrument, which is our vocal cord, which is human, you know and how to deal with that. And yeah, there's ways to deal with that. And um, the show, as they say, it, it goes on. The show goes and on. And we have fun. And that's the main thing really in these shows is the fun element. And there's one th more thing I want to express. So many times I go into the audience to sing. I leave the stage and I actually, with my microphone, walk into the audience and continue singing the songs with the children. And, um, of course, it builds excitement to the children. But there's one more aspect I want to bring out to you and to our listeners. That when I, or perhaps maybe any, any entertainer goes into the audience, he's expressing the idea that I'm with you. I'm singing the song of Torah Tzivalano in the audience with the boys and girls. I'm singing with them, not on stage. That's me, four feet up there on stage, six feet high, 20 feet away. No, 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 no. I'm down here with you. I'm with you. And we're having fun together. And we're jumping up and down. That's great. And to me, that's, that's important as well. But I like that you mentioned about the vocalizing because it's important for people to know that you don't just get up on stage, that there's, there's preparation and there's forethought. Well, sure, there is. I mean, there's, I, after all, I am singing in front of people. Right. True, I'm not uh, Pavarotti, <laughs> a well-known <laughs> opera star, <laughs> yeah. that he can cancel a performance. I can't do that. Right. <laughs> the show has to go on. But uh, please be aware that these songs that I'm singing, 
they're not perhaps as a, I don't know how to put it, like a high, so extreme as other adult performers. You think they're, they're simpler tunes? They're simpler, simpler melodies. And I could perhaps get away with, mm -hmm. with many things where another performer really cannot right. and to criticize for that. Sure. Because I am actually playing, uh, singing to children and every song has action for them to do. So it's not so much on the song per se versus the whole element of the, the action and the fun that we're having together. It could be maybe I'm, I'm hitting balloons around the room while singing a song, sharing with each other. So it's more of that aspect of it versus just showing off my vocal talents. Mm -hmm. you know? Now you've performed that on many prominent stages, uh, including Hask. Mm -hmm. Is there any one particular performance or venue that stands out as just really extremely special? Well, certainly, <clears throat> the, the, the many times I performed for a Lagba Oma parade in Crown Heights. Uh, usually it's done on a Sunday, and they would literally have thousands and thousands of school children in front of you. And I'm on a, a platform, perhaps like a float. 40 feet up in the air, higher than the lamppost. I remember showing one of my musicians to look at the lamppost. It's below us. Mm -hmm. So it's higher than a lamppost. And uh, on a ricochet type of platform, singing to this of a sea of, that's what it is. It's just a sea of, of faces and, and swaying back and forth and the cameras and knowing that it's going around the world. It, it's just amazing, amazing oh. experience. Just an amazing experience to be up there and to see that. Sure. You know? And singing songs, Shabbos! <laughs> and pointing where Hashem is. Mm -hmm. We all did that. Yeah. I think I'd be remiss if we didn't mention your Rebbitson, oh. Mrs. Shoshana Tenabel. Yeah, Shoshana. People yes. always know about Uncle Moshe, but there's a Tanta. Sure. Well, she's Klai Israel's Tanta. We <laughs> just don't know much about her. But speak about your wife's role and your children as well. If you could talk about what it was like for them having a father who was a well-known, well-recognized figure. Well, my wife is wonderful. She's just wonderful. And um, even though I've traveled around the world, she has her own workplace that she goes to. And she's very busy with her own projects and keeping the home stabilized, so to speak. My children growing up, uh, if I may be frank, they had a hard time. They did. They did have a hard time. Your father's Uncle Moishi. Na, 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 Yeah. And I could perhaps be bold to say that any child whose father is a well-known person, he could be the principal of the school, their child could be you know, joke dad or taking advantage of, you know. So it, it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't really easy for them in their school, school years. Mm. But this is what I've been doing. This is what I'm doing, singing to children around the world. This is what I do. Later on, as they grew older and older, and now in their 20s and 30s, now they realize, ta, wow. You're Uncle Maishi. <laughs> this is what you do. It's amazing what you do. 
and they're very, very supportive. So they, they evolved, kind of. Once they got out of the younger stage of being teased about it, they realized that you're accomplishing something yeah. extraordinary. And they're very supportive. Ideas and suggestions. And uh, some of them, even, uh, a few of them have gone to my concerts, you know, to see. I want them to see the effect that, hey, this is what your, your tati does. Look at these children. Wow, look at that. And how about your grandchildren, your inner club? Yeah. How do did, how did they feel? That well, Zaidi is also an uncle. Uh, well, Zaidi is... It could, be, it could be confusing for a child. Zaidi is Zaidi. Okay. He is Zaidi. It's very important that they see their Zaidi as a Zaidi. Not as a... That uncle... True, they might see a poster. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, they might see a poster of, of me and... Oh, look, Zaidi looks funny. Look at this. He looks <laughs> funny. Or when he goes to a, a doctor's office, they go to a doctor and they see on the video screen... They see some of the, the videos. Video. Look, Zadie's funny. Look, Zadie's funny. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> you get a kick out of it? Yeah, yeah. It's fun, you know. Uh, but but uh, again, I'm a Zadie to them. And we learn Torah. We have fun. We sing songs together. you know. And then they go to their homes. <laughs> Speaking of your look, you have a very well-recognized outfit. It's the hat with the mem. Oh, yeah. It's the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Where did this the get up star? The star. The star. Mm -hmm. Wait, who, who invented this outfit? <laughs> it's you? I did. I did. The star is very important. The star is very important. Do we, see, do we have a close-up of the yeah, star? Yeah, yeah. It's we very got important. It, we, got it on video. we had a close-up here. It's very important. It was originally supposed to be a mug and David. Really? Yeah, that's right. Originally a mug and David. You know, six star. Yeah. But the place where I went to did not have six stars. <laughs> so they made... Mm, two, three, five four, five. Five. Shall we count it together? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Stars. <laughs> and that's how it stayed. Five stars. And the uncle, Moishi. How many years back does this outfit go? Is this all the way back to the beginning? Oh, yeah. Wow. 19... Uh, the blue sleeves? Uh, the black. white center? It's black. It's black, oh, actually. Black? I'm yeah, sorry. the lighting is very bad here. <laughs> <laughs> we have to work on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's black. Actually, in the beginning, I had blue. In the beginning, okay. yes, I did have blue. That's true. Yes, I did have blue, but it evolved to black. Yes. But this this uh, style has stood the test of time. Well, yeah, it's my style. <laughs> and the first mem, who cut the first mem, who fitted into the hat? I mean, it's it's intriguing because it's kind of as much as we laugh about it, it's iconic. Yeah. my father, Olvashel, made the first really? mem. Your father made the first. Yes, mem. he what was. What did your father do for for a living? He was an upholsterer. Oh. A real poster. Okay. And he also had a wonderful, wonderful uh, script writing. He was okay. able to write lovely script in, in Hebrew. And he, uh, he drew out a mem and using some leftover aluminum siding. We had some leftover from our home. With some shears, he cut out the mem. And that's the original mem. And I still have two or three of those mems that he made for me. And when I make other ones, I use that as the copy from that original mem. So these are copies from the original mem that my father made for me. That's great. Yeah. And you're still doing it. So I guess maybe your wife helps you now or <laughs> someone else is cutting out the mems. I do it myself. But I do it myself. 
how often do you, are you putting on the outfit? Meaning at home, I'm imagining you're not walking around no. with the mem hat no. and Uncle Moshi shirt. Right. And when you go to shul no. and you go to the no. store, no. you look... You'll, you look yeah, like no. a regular person. Yeah, I only wear this when I do interviews. That's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> the only time I when I do an interview at art school. That's where, where I use the the outfit. Yes, and and to events, obviously, <laughs> and events, a concert, sure. Yes, and um, well, when you have to be in character. Well, the, the thing is like this: when when children see me, they 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 have their imagination that this is Uncle Maishi for twenty four hours a day. So. For example, I never take off my outfit in front of a child. I never do that. And as you know, I've been around the world. And dressing rooms or whatever, <laughs> or in a car, I would wait, I would go to my car, bye-bye everyone, bye-bye, bye-bye. And as I leave, I might park a block away and take it off. Because it's the imagination of a child. That's Uncle Moishi. That's mm. how he is. Mm. That's the imagination. And I want to keep that for him, you know? So I never do that in front of, take it off or put it on. No. I keep it like this. Bye-bye! I've seen many people come over to you, even just here at Art Scroll, other places when we've been together. All the time, people coming over to you, could you just sign this? Could I just take a video of you for my son, my grandson, my nephew? How does it feel? And, and you seem to do it so graciously you don't run out of patience. How do you keep doing that so graciously? Well, it, it, it's really humbling. It's really, really humbling. I remember the first years that I've started, I really ran away from pictures. Many children wouldn't have tip pictures of me. No, 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 I have to run, I'm sorry, I have to run. But after getting letters from parents, letting me know how that one photo we got of you with my child it means so much to, to my child. Thank you. Getting some of these letters really impressed on me that, hey, it's important to them. Mm. For them, it's important for me. But it's important for, in their lives that they want this. So why not? Why not? Take my time and, and wait for a photograph, sure. But that's touching that you look at it as an opportunity as opposed to a nuisance. I think, I, I think it's a good example for other people who have an opportunity to do something small, uh, even as much as it's an inconvenience or annoying, but use that platform. Well, that thing and what's, what's a message right. you could help to people? It, it, it's not for me. Mm. It's for them. It's not, I, don't want, I don't need that. Right. I don't need that. You know? It's for them. And if I may add, when I go to hospitals, I do see children in hospitals, unfortunately. Um, the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim, it's very important. And um, when I'm there for the child, that's who I'm there for. It's not about my convenience. Oh, well, I'm sorry, I'm not available now. But the child's available. I have to be mindful that I'm not there for me, I'm there for the patient, for the child. And to me that's very important, that mitzvah of Bikr Cholim. Um, I remember one instance where I was performing for a child and the child was not responding at all. And I went close to the child and said, would you want me to come back a little later? And, and 
see, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Mm. And I came back. And the child was much more receptive to me. The point being is that I'm there for the child. It's not me. It's not about me. I'm there for that child. And to me, that's what Bikacholim is. It's for them. Not about me. That's, a, that's very special, I would say. Very altruistic. I want to turn back to the music for a moment. <clears throat> Many people know that you take popular songs that hopefully kids may already know the tunes of, and you put lyrics to those songs. Whose idea was that to do that originally? Well, <laughs> that was originally my, my first producer, uh-huh. uh, David Golding from uh, mm-hmm. Suki and Ding Productions. Right. Yeah, that was originally his, his thoughts of doing that, yeah. Which was a great idea. Obviously, you're taking the songs that people know. Did you consider doing original songs as well, or was that kind of, that was your approach to your album? Well, uh, that was the approach of the producer to do these type of well-known melodies, right. you know. And I do actually have an album uh, called Uncle Moishi's World, uh, which was produced about three, about three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they were all original melodies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it also had a very big, very successful run. That's nice. Of these, yeah. Is there, is there a particular song from over the years, one song or two, that is your favorite? I know that's, <laughs> that's not fair to ask, right? It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not really fair. But you fair. like, you're a musician, you like music. You're talking about the old influences on you musically of the Rabbi Sons and Archadash and things like that. Anyone else influence you musically? <clears throat> well, certainly the original singers, Mordechai and David, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's as far as, as singing. However, once you're on stage, it's, it's, a, different, it, it's a different arena. Because you're not, you're not singing, but you're actually on stage, may I suggest, performing, mm-hmm. moving from one side to the other side, this side, that side. Uh, you might turn around, spin around. There's an action to a singer. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to perhaps just to stand and sing, like perhaps an opera, where they, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But it's more of, rela- of bringing the song alive to the audience. Somehow taking these words that you're singing, somehow making it alive for them. Yeah. Listen, your message has resonated for decades. We're, we've been inspired not only by what you sing, but by how you sing it, and by your smile, and your infectious enthusiasm for Yiddishkeit, and Ahavas Hashem, and Ahavas HaTayra, Tayra learning, doing mitzvahs. These are messages that are universal, messages for adults, messages for children. You're bringing out the beauty of Yiddishkeit, and that's a tremendous chutz. And I would say, if I would <laughs> have the chutzpah to say it on behalf of Kal Yisrael, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for doing it with such grace and such dignity. And I want to offer my heartfelt bracha, you should continue. I would say that it's been 45 years, but you're only just getting warmed up. You're only just getting started. <laughs> because in Mitzvah you'll be doing it for many more, many more years. So thank you yeah. for joining us. Any parting message for our listeners? Once again, thank you so much for having me. And um, really, the, one of the main messages I want to portray is that I am with the children. 
we are together learning Torah, doing the mitzvahs of Hashem, and that we are all part of a wonderful heritage, our Jewish heritage, that goes back thousands of years to our ovos and to our emos, and which is part of that chain. And my hope is that somehow these songs, the messages, will somehow inspire these children. And eventually, those children will inspire their families. And when they get married, their families. And to be a continued link in our family called Klaus Yisrael. Amen. Thank you.